Please pray with me. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together this morning. I pray, Father God, that the words, my mouth, and meditation of my thoughts, Lord, and my heart would be always pleasing into your sight. I pray, Father God, that you would open our ears and open our hearts, Father, to receive the word that you desire for us to hear today. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. It is certainly a cold morning. I mean, in July in the summer, it's not fun wearing this. But like today, when it's 13 degrees, it's quite nice. And so it is good to be with you all on this very, very chilly morning. Um, I know many of you, there's some of you I do not know. Uh, my name is Father Travis Wilson, and I am one of the clergy here at Christ Church. I have the pleasure of serving as our director of family ministry, which means that often I am with the kiddos and the youth. I see you back there. Mateo, uh, good to see you. Lucas, good to see you. And I love what I get to do here at Christ Church. It is a gift and a blessing to be with our families. Um, this morning, if you'd like, you could go ahead and open up your Bibles to our gospel reading this morning, John 1. So go ahead and open your Bibles to John 1. And we're looking at 43 to 51, the calling of Philip and Nathaniel. The most important thing to happen in a person's life is for them to encounter Jesus. And God uses you and I to bring about those encounters. Again, I'll say the most important thing to happen in a person's life is for them to encounter Jesus. And God uses you and I to bring about those encounters. Now, some of you might hear this a couple of different ways this morning. Some of you might hear that invitation and go, whoa, <laughs> that's not me. If you knew my past, if you knew the things I've done, you would know that there's no way that God could ever use me to find someone else. Now, some of you might hear this and then you might have come from a tradition or you might have heard this passage preached on before and it could feel like a very heavy burden. You need to do more. You need to be more bold right? If you're not leading people, you're not a Christian, right? The good news, friends, is that's not what this passage is all about. The passage we're looking at this morning displays the truth and the beauty of the gospel. And the truth and beauty of the gospel is this, that you and I can confidently invite others to Jesus because he knows them. He knows you and I. And he is making himself known to the world. You and I can confidently invite others to encounter Jesus because he knows them. Look at our text this morning. We see a man in Nathaniel move from skeptic, verse 46, how can anything good come from Nazareth, to believer in verse 49. Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. What happens how does this man move from skeptic to believer? And the answer is Jesus. You see, as soon as Philip gives Nathaniel the invitation, gives Philip the invitation to come and see, Nathaniel, as he's on his way, Jesus sees him and Jesus cries out, Behold, 
An Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now, that's an interesting way to greet someone if you've never met them. But what's fascinating is Jesus knew Nathaniel. And there's something about what he says to Nathaniel that already gets Nathaniel engaged, gets him to lean in. Right? Look at the passage. It says, Nathaniel responds to Jesus saying, How do you know me? How do you know me? Jesus goes on to say, Before Philip found you, you were under the fig tree. I saw you. Now, there have been commentaries written, volumes and books written as to what was going on, what was Nathaniel doing, uh, what was happening, what's the fig tree represent, and all that good stuff. And that's great, and you should check that out, and you should do a lot of good research. But what you need to know is this. What matters is this, that Jesus knew Nathaniel. And there was something about when Nathaniel heard Jesus say that, he knew in that moment that Jesus knew him. And it was enough. That he knew him and it was enough. I mean, that is wild. I mean, if I think back to my undergrad days, when I first met my wife, Kelsey. Now, many of you know Kelsey. Kelsey works as the church events coordinator. And if you've been around Kelsey at all, you would know that Kelsey has a presence that brings stability, security. She brings joy and peace to every situation and circumstance, which is important because she's married to somewhat of a diva. And so, but the thing about that is, is like, that's nothing new about Kelsey. Like, which is why she's a great events coordinator, right? Because things can be going awry, things are not going as planned, and Kels will just calmly and coolly figure it out. And in, she is someone that when she enters a room, she brings anxiety down. That has been Kelsey for as long as I've known her. You see, when we met, we met our freshman year in college, and it would take seven years to convince her to date me. So, yes, she's also wise. Um, but as we got to know, the thing that always struck me, see, we had met through a campus ministry called InterVarsity, and we both started attending our freshman year of college, and Kels, on the one hand, she was locked in. She was just stable and faithful. I took a somewhat different route. But the thing is, is like, Kelsey was always around, and I I just found myself always being drawn. I just could not wrap my mind around this confidence that she had. She was secure in who she, in who she was. She knew who she was. And I had no clue who I was. So it blew my mind. But over the years as I got to know Kelsey, what I discovered was that at the heart of her security, at the heart of that stability, was this deeply held belief that Jesus knew her and loved her, and that was enough. That Jesus knew her and loved her, and that was enough. It so reminded me of the truth of John 10, 14, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. 
I know my own and my own know me. Nathaniel and Kelsey knew that their Lord knew them and loved them and it was enough. You and I can be confident when we invite others to Jesus because he knows them, but he also knows you and I. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our ability and our inability. And yet Jesus finds us. And he knows that you and I have it in us to find others. We see that in this passage Whenever you see in scripture where there's repetition, you should always highlight that and go, okay, what's going on here? Something's happening. If you look in the first three verses of our text this morning, you will see the word found repeated three times. Jesus found Philip. Philip found Nathanael. And what does Philip tell Nathanael? We have found him of whom the Moses and the prophets have written. What is it about this theme of being found? What does it mean to be found? found. What I love is long before Philip ever goes to Nathaniel, Jesus first sees Philip. And if you look at the invitation that Jesus gives to Philip, it's very quick, isn't it? Literally he comes, he says to Philip, follow me. And what does Philip do? He does. The very next thing he does is he finds his friend Nathaniel. But pay attention to what the author is indicating. Where is Philip from? John makes it very clear that Philip is from Bethsaida. Well, where, what's, what's the deal with Bethsaida? Well, it's the home of Andrew and Simon Peter. Fascinating. Andrew, one of the two disciples of John the Baptist, who just earlier on in chapter one, right, says, Hey, behold the lamb, and Andrew and the other disciple go, and they inquire about Jesus, and as they do, what does Jesus tell them? Come and see. Now, after that, Andrew goes, and he shares with Simon Peter, and then now we see Jesus finding Philip. Jesus knew that Philip had it in him to find Nathanael, because found people find people. That's what we do. Found people find people. You see, what's interesting is, what does Philip do? He goes and he finds his friend and he says, here's the good news, we have found this Messiah. But is Nathaniel stoked? Is he excited? Is he happy? No. Instead, Nathaniel goes, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But the beauty is, is Philip knew his friend. Philip knew that he could get into a whole debate and get into the weeds and well, kind of describe, well, technically, actually, there was a census. So though Jesus is from Nazareth, he actually was born in Bethlehem and all that good stuff. So it actually does come from the city of David. Does, David, does, does Philip do any of that? Does he try to answer all the questions? Does he try to respond and and give the most persuasive exposition as to why this is the Messiah? No. He simply looks at Philip in the midst to his skepticism and says, come and see. Come and see. And that was enough. And that was enough. 
The reality is you and I are here today because God put someone in our lives. God found someone and that someone found you and I. Take a moment right now and just think about who was it that the Lord used you to find you? Why are you here today? And maybe you don't know Jesus, but you're sitting in the pews today, which means someone invited you. Thank that person. This is what God does. He finds us so we can find others. For me in my undergrad, that was a man by the name of Ramiro. And now Ramiro and I could not be more different, right? Here I was, this young college kid. Ramiro was married. He's going to have his first kid. Like, we could not be more different. But Ramiro was on staff with InterVarsity. He was my campus staff that I had met my freshman year of college. And when I first started going to college, I, was, I loved the Lord. But then I began to hear the temptations of the world. I joined a fraternity, began to kind of get lured more and more into the party scene. And more and more and more, I began to lose myself to the point where by, the so- by my sophomore year, I was completely lost. I was completely and utterly lost. But Jesus knew that Ramiro had it in him to find me. You see, my sophomore year, Ramiro would reach out to me and say, hey, I haven't seen you in a while, Trav. Hey, let's, let's, uh, let's meet for a Starbucks coffee. Now, I am a broke college student. If you're offering me a $6 coffee, I will say yes to that every time. And so, as I show up, Ramiro would open up Psalm 1, right, which is the psalm about the two ways. Blessed is the man, right, who does not seek in the counsel of the godly, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. He's like a tree planted by streams of living water, right? But the wicked are not so. They're like the chaff, which the wind blows away. And every single week, Ramiro would say, Travis, do you see how much Jesus loves you and knows you? if you just place your trust in him. He knows you and he loves you. Will you stop partying? (laughs) Will you stop choosing these false things and choose the one thing that actually brings life? And week after week, I'd smile, say probably a snarky joke, and I'd say no. And you know what? Ramiro would invite me the next week. Y'all, this went on for over a year. Over a year. Each week, same response. Until the day where a circumstance or situation, a very difficult circumstance happened and I was brought to the end of myself. And I'll never forget that in that moment, falling to my knees, and just feeling the embrace of Jesus. I had been found. But the Lord had been using Ramiro to prepare that groundwork so that when that moment happened, I was ready. You see, Jesus knew that Ramiro had it in him to find me. Just like Jesus knows that you and I have it in us to find others. I mean, look no further than, look at Acts 9. When Saul is found, 
Oftentimes we, fo- we focus on, right, Saul's conversion to Paul and we get so focused on that but we lose sight of the fact that Jesus finds Ananias and he calls Ananias to find Saul, right? Ananias goes, hey, I don't know about this guy Saul. He's kind of shady. He's done some really bad things. You sure you want to send me to him? And the Lord says, he is my chosen instrument. And Ananias goes and finds Saul and the rest is history. The reality in that text is there's more than one chosen instrument, isn't there? Jesus found Ananias and knew that Ananias had it in him to find Saul. He knows that you and I can find others because we have been found by him. Friends, you and I can be confident when we invite others to Jesus because not only does he know them, not only does he know you and I, but he also is making himself known. Look at verse 51 in this passage. Nathaniel, right, is stoked. He's like, you are, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. You'll think at this point, Jesus would be like, yeah, you got it, buddy. We're good. Let's go. No, look at what Jesus says to him. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. That's a bit of a mystical kind of response, isn't it? What are you saying, Jesus? Well, he already declared over Nathaniel that, hey, you truly are an Israelite indeed. So Nathaniel would have known exactly what Jesus was alluding to, right? Think back to our Old Testament reading from this morning, Genesis 28 where the patriarch of Israel, Jacob, is sitting, right? And he has this vision. And in this vision, there's this ladder. And at the top of the ladder stands the Lord. And the angels of God are ascending and descending upon the earth, right? Powerful vision, isn't it? But look at what Jesus does. Jesus says, saying, look, here's the ladder. And truly, I tell you, you see angels of God ascending and descending, not on a particular place, but on a particular person the son of man. The Lord no longer stands at the top of the ladder, separating heaven and earth. The Lord has come down. And the wood of the ladder would become the hard wood of the cross where Christ himself, God himself in the flesh would make a way for us to be restored back in relationship with the Father This is God, God constantly moving towards us, constantly entering in, constantly revealing who he is so that we can know him and be known by him. Friends, the reason why you and I can be confident when we invite others to to Jesus is because Jesus does the heavy lifting. He's the one that does the work. He's the one that goes before them. He's the one that sees them. He's the one that knows them and loves them beyond what we could ever fathom. Long before Philip gets to Nathanael, Jesus already knew. Jesus already knew. And all that he invites you and I to do is to invite others, come and see to be made aware that you have been found. The only thing that qualifies you, the only thing that you need to qualify you for this task is to know that you are found. What I love is it has nothing to do with Philip. It has everything to do with the fact that God has already gone before them. One of my favorite stories I had about 
when I would go on to actually be on staff with InterVarsity, I specialized to work with fraternities and sororities. And there was this one girl that came up to me, Aleska, and there had been a Bible study in her chapter a few years back. And Aleska wanted me to lead, start that Bible study again in her chapter. But I looked at Aleska and I said, Aleska, I don't know that your sorority sisters really want to hear from a 30-year-old bearded man. I don't know there's going to be a lot of connection. But perhaps, Aleska, the Lord has put you there for a reason. You know your sisters better than I do. What if I coached you and then you begin to share with your sisters? And then I invite Aleska, hey, Aleska, we're just sitting in a coffee shop. If you know me, I love coffee shops. Um, John Beatty, Father John, was making the joke of, Trav, I'm pretty sure a coffee's in every one of your sermons. That's probably true. Um, so we're wrapping up, and I ask Aleska, Aleska, will you just close us in a word of prayer? And she goes, uh, I don't pray in public. And at which point I go, ooh, I don't know this is such a great idea. You don't want to pray in public and you're about to go lead a Bible study in the sorority. This is going to work. This is going to go great. But that's the beauty of it, isn't it? God uses ordinary, regular people to do extraordinary things. That same girl who was afraid to pray in public, six months later would stand in front of her peers. 45 fraternity and sorority students gathered. And she would look at them and she would give an invitation for them to come and see. And she would see 16 of her friends give their hearts and lives to Jesus that night. Not because of any skill that she had, not because of my awesome coaching, more of like despite my coaching, let's be real. I also didn't tell her she was doing that till the night of. Whole nother conversation for another time. But the beauty of it was, was because God had already been at work in those lives. God had already been at work in those 16 lives. He knew them. So when, they gave, when she gave the invitation, they were ready. God does the heavy lifting. You see, you and I are not responsible for the response. We are not responsible for the outcome. God simply asked us to give the invitation and he does the rest. He simply invites us to give the invitation and he does the rest. You see, we can do this because our God's whole MO is to make himself known. Look at John 17, 26. I made your name known to them and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. This is the heart of our heavenly father. This is the heart of Jesus to whom he sent. That we should know him. He would go on to describe and say, and this is eternal life, to know the one and only true God and Jesus Christ, the one he sent. He does the heavy lifting so that you and I don't have to. Amen, right? The most important thing to happen in a person's life is for them to encounter Jesus. And God uses you and I to bring about those encounters. The truth and beauty of the gospel is this, that we can confidently invite others to Jesus because he knows them. He knows you and I. And he is making himself known. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.